Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Joining us now on the Schneider Orange Hotline, Sam Monson, the lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. Sam, how you doing? Doing good. How about you? We're doing okay. So this Packers team, uh, obviously, they take a loss and they took it in a very ugly fashion. So. I guess uh, all the statistics aside, I mean, you know, was it just the fact that this Tampa Bay defense was just set up to be this good when it comes up against a team like the Green Bay Packers, or was this because the Packers maybe were uh, a little bit overinflated coming into this contest? Um, Probably a little bit of both. I mean, one of the things that was starting to, to get on people's radar heading into this game is that Green Bay had faced a pretty you know, healthy slate of uh, past defenses. They hadn't been tested in a major way yet. Um, obviously, I think their lack of a number two receiver is still is still an issue, particularly, you know, when Alan Lazard isn't there. Um, they just don't have that secondary threat outside of Devonta Adams still. And then the other side of this is that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is legit. And not only is it legit in terms of just pure talent level, those young defensive backs have all kind of come on at the same time and, and are playing extremely good football, whether it's Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, the rookie Antoine Winfield Jr. at safety. Um, but they also had a good game plan. They dialed up the blitz really well. They didn't just get overly aggressive with it, but they timed it well and threw it at times where um, they don't normally, you know, third downs, they're not usually a blitz-heavy team, but they really came after Rodgers on third down. It seemed to not just cause problems because they were sending more bodies, but unexpected timing caused problems as well. And Rodgers just didn't have a good game in the face of it. Can this team win without Rodgers having a good game? The argument here is, is that do they have enough defense if this team, you know, doesn't, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a good game, does this team have enough defense to win? Probably not the way they're playing at the moment, but there's also degrees of Aaron Rodgers not playing well. You know, Rodgers, had his first three <clears throat> turnover-worthy plays in this game. He hadn't had a single one heading into that that game against Tampa Bay. Obviously, the pick six, the second interception, I don't think was necessarily his fault. I think that was just a great defensive play. That was a, a well-thrown slam pass that, that uh, Carlton Davis made a great play on, and it ended up getting picked off. But he had you know at least another couple of passes that were basically tried to be intercepted it was thrown one was thrown right to to Winfield that he dropped that was just a very very uncharacteristically careless game from Rodgers with the ball and he usually doesn't do that and even if you get a bad Rodgers game it usually doesn't come with the ball being put in harm's way as much as it did against Tampa Bay so 
I think they can win if Rodgers has a bad game and doesn't put the ball in harm's way. I, I don't think they can win if Rodgers is going to throw, you know, three turnover-worthy plays in the game. Did this expose the uh, the ability to run the football for the Green Bay Packers? Well, it's certainly, yeah, that's, I think, the weaker area of that offensive line. It's a great pass-blocking unit, though it didn't have a good pass-blocking game. Um, and obviously losing David Bakhtiari didn't help that. But it struggles more as a run-blocking unit. It's not never been as good on the ground, and Tampa Bay are good at stopping the run. They've got big bodies even without Vita Vea up the middle. Um, and Green Bay wasn't able to, to win that battle in the trenches. So it's certainly, I think, an area that they would have known they were weaker in. Uh, going into the game, but this certainly highlighted it. The uh, the Packers, defensively speaking, they get Kenny Clark back. They're still without Christian Kirksey. Uh, Barnes goes down uh, in this game as well, even though he was their leading tackler for the uh, entire game. Uh, you tell me, because you look at Preston and Zedaria Smith, the numbers haven't been the same as what they were last year. Is there a specific reason as to why? Is it because of the lack of support in the middle for a while without Kenny Clark or without legitimate uh, linebackers, we'll say, that have been impactful? I mean, what are the, some of the reasons why you're not seeing the same statistics out of them this year as you did last year? Kenny Clark, the loss of him is definitely a huge factor to this whole defense. He was one of the he'd become the prototypical nose tackle in today's nfl a guy that can stop the run in the middle but also bring some real pass rush from that interior spot and push the pocket and flush a lot of pressure towards those edge rushers in zadarius and preston smith but the other thing with zadarius in particular is last year was a hell of an outlier in terms of what we've seen from the rest of his career he had a pff grade that was more than 10 points higher than his previous total. His um, pressure total was like 30 pressures over a season up on what we've ever seen before. Obviously, the sacks were way up. Like Everything about last year was a massive outlier compared to what we've seen from him in the past. And when it happens in a new environment, it's always tempting to put that down to, well, he moved to a better team, a team that was better equipped to make him look as good as he is. Um, But the other explanation for that is, Sometimes guys just have career years, um, and you have to project going forward whether they're going to maintain that kind of level or if they're going to sink back to something like what we saw from them in the past. And so far, this season is very much more uh, along the lines of what we saw from Zadarius Smith as a Baltimore Raven, which is a good player, but not a great player, not the great guy that we saw a year ago. And there is certainly a possibility that that is more like what he is than the sort of every game superstar we saw a year ago. How does Josh Jackson, he took a lot of criticism during the postgame show, and uh, while I didn't think he played on the same level as, say, a Kevin King, I didn't think he played as terribly as as others had perceived. Uh, Tell me a little bit about Josh Jackson. Yeah, I don't think he had a terrible game. Um, Obviously, he got beaten for for a touchdown, which didn't help anytime you show up on somebody else's highlights in a game. Mm -hmm. It's it's never good for the perception of your play coming out of it. But overall, I think he had a solid enough game. He only really gave up that one sort of, I don't want to call it a big play because it was was a short game, but but for a touchdown, the rest of his catches that he gave up didn't go for many yards. His overall grade was okay. Um, that was it was a solid performance, I think. I, I don't know that he's yet done anything to sort of suggest that he's going to be the player that we thought he was coming out of college. We liked him not just in the second round, but thought he had 
first round talent given what we've seen from him at Iowa and we just haven't really seen that player in the NFL yet hasn't really um, had a knack for getting his hands on the football the way he did in college and has given up more than he ever did in college but yeah that, that wouldn't be the game that I would be using to, to sort of write him off and to bash him. Talking with Sam Monson, lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus, is that the toughest defense the Packers are going to face all season statistically? It's certainly one of them, yeah. I think Tampa Bay defense is going to be one of the best defenses in football all the way throughout this season. And in this year, more than any other year, we're seeing defense. I, I don't, you know, There are no defenses that are just dominant every single week. I don't even know if that's possible in today's NFL anymore. So what you're going to see is, defenses that are good that are capable to cause problems for offenses that every now and again can have the sort of perfect defensive game plan and really uh, ruin the day of an offense and I think that's what we saw from Tampa Bay it's a really good defense and it had a great day in terms of play calling in terms of just getting things right and knowing what was coming from Green Bay and that's why you saw sort of such a convincing performance from them. So uh, they got the Bears that are going to be on the docket not once but twice. Uh, are the Bears are the Bears on the same level as say Tampa Bay, or just as the quarterback play is what distinguishes the two? Uh, quarterback play is definitely the biggest difference between the two. I think they're probably a step down almost across the board, um, but they're good. And, and this the uh, the Chicago defense it might not be as good as that defense they had a couple of years ago, but it's in pretty good shape right now. And really, the only thing preventing them from being one of the very best teams in the NFL. I know the record says they're there already, but in terms of being able to match up with, you know, the best teams in the league, the Bucks, the Seahawks, um, the, the teams from the AFC, I just, I don't think that their quarterback play is there yet. And Nick Foles may have been an upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky, but it's been a marginal one. Um, and he's still capable of throwing the game away and really hasn't played at the level that we know he can play at. Um, down the and maybe their their sort of hope is that he hits those games at the right time down the line. You know those must win games against teams like Green Bay. Maybe that's when you get Super Bowl or you know NFC Championship game. Nick Foles coming to play. Um. So the the Packers up against the Bears. The Bears obviously their run game is nowhere near as good. They're going to have to rely on Nick Foles. Uh, but the Packers' defense is nowhere near as strong as what the Bears have to offer. Usually that is the difference whether when it comes down to quarterback play. So my question is, do the Packers have enough weapons that they can move the ball and sustain drives against this Bears' defense versus their offense, which has not been great against the run, and they're statistically not as good as they were last year? So with a little bit better experience, Nick Foles, some decent wideouts, a decent tight end, obviously. How tough of a matchup is this for Green Bay when they go to face Chicago? It's definitely not easy. The Chicago roster, I think, is pretty good top to bottom. Their offensive line is struggling a little bit, um, but the rest of that group, they've got weapons, they've got receivers, they've got running backs that can make plays, and obviously the defense we talked about. So it really does come down to what kind of Nick Foles you're going to get, and the problem is, you just never know. Like Nick Foles is statistically the most volatile quarterback in the NFL on a game-to-game basis. You don't know if you're going to get you know, a, a PFF grade above 90 in that kind of Super Bowl performance or a guy that's grading in the 30s and looking like he should be pulled from the game for his own safety and for the benefit of the team um, There's or something in the middle. And that's the thing is that Nick Foles has all the capability of, of having a great game and absolutely eviscerating top quality defenses but equally he can have a disaster and be the reason this team is just not going to move the ball 
um, or have any shot in the game. And we really have no way of knowing which Nick Foles is going to show up. But the talent around him is high enough that the good Nick Foles is always a danger. Good stuff as always, Sam. Appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll keep uh, reading Pro Football Focus and get you back on real soon, okay? Thank you. Take it easy. Thanks, pal. There you go. Sam Monson, lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam, at PFF underscore Sam, and you can find his stuff there. Good stuff. I wanted to focus more on the Bears because you know, the question is, are the Bears for real? And he says, look, they're for real. It just depends on which quarterback happens to show up. So defensively, they can ride that defense uh, for a few more wins and get themselves you know, back on track. But, you know, I mean, it, whether or not the quarterback plays well, that's going to determine how far they go once they do get to the postseason. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.